Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, to the inaugural, 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 however you'd like to pronounce it, episode of Punk Orama, where we seek to try and cover every epitaph ever. That's every record that epitaph has ever released ever. We're going to try and cover it on this show right here called Punkorama. Uh, my name is uh, your intrepid host, Kent Wilhelm. That's right. Your intrepid host is now part of my name, Kent Wilhelm, the punk, uh, blah, 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 blah. Kent Wilhelm, the podcast warlord, as I've appropriated from Joe Strummer. With me today uh, to start this thing off is a very, uh, very special guest who's near and dear to my heart. Uh, I've had the pleasure of working professionally, I guess kind of professionally, not really professionally, but creatively with this gentleman uh, for several different things. I'm the producer of his podcast, uh, Juice and Reviews, which is also on the Atlantic Transition Podcast Network. Uh, I've been in a band with him. We do some comedy writing together. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, Mr. Paul Corey. You didn't say the thing. What's the thing? It's funny man. Paul. Funny man. Paul Corey, hey ladies guys, and gentlemen. What's up? Sorry, we'll go back and uh, not edit that out. <laughs> uh, thanks so much for having me. I'm pretty excited. I didn't realize that a I was going to be on the very first one, which is pretty cool. Yeah, man. And I didn't realize same. you were doing every single record epitaph has ever released. What I, did you I, think I, I was doing? I, I feel like, just any of them. I feel like there's a lot. There are a lot. Fuck, like, I don't have hundreds. the number on me right like now. A hundred. There's there's hundreds, if not thousands. Thousands. That's a lot of podcasts. It's going to be a lot of podcasts. Uh, excuse me for drinking right near the mic. But we're doing, uh, this is the record that uh, when I asked you what you wanted to do for your show, at least your first one, because you'll be on a few times, at least I hope you will. Oh, cool. Um, you brought to me Pennybridge Pioneers by Mill and Colin. I did. Why? Why, why, was this, why was this the first record like that popped in your head? Or one of the first, I should say. I think for me, it's, I'm a big pop punk fan. Sure, yeah. And this is, was really sure? one of those early records. And the funny part is, is, I didn't really discover this record when it first came out. Okay. So when did when did you discover? I because this record came out in two thousand February two thousand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So when I went to um, college, right? I remember mm-hmm. one of my first days. I got there. I was all in, all about pop punk bands, you know. And like what? Like who? Walk walk us through your uh, walk us through your CD uh, booklet because I'm you, sure you know there'd be at that time because yeah. you know, that was like 2002. So obviously, Newfound Glory, okay. Goldfinger, mm-hmm. Less Than Jake, MXPX, that that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And when I got to college, I went to school in Delaware. Delaware is like a very white white school, you know, but like very preppy school. Sounds like so, pop punk is the perfect. Uh, no, 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 no. Like that. these are people who would like like um, who did it OAR or something like that. Oh. You know. So it was like one of my went, of a revolution of a revolution. Yeah, yeah like Dave Matthews <laughs> Band everywhere. So DMB. When I when I got to school, you know, I'm unpacking and I'm like, oh man, I, no one definitely likes any of this stuff here. And okay. then I saw like a kid who's like next to me in the hall dropped the backpack down, and his backpack had like. You know, like MXPX written all over it and all those type of bands. And I was like, oh, cool. So, um, where was, was I going thing? with all of this? Oh, well, 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 oh so, what, so, what yeah. got you in this record? Yeah, yeah. so then um, I ended up living with uh, with that friend my sophomore year. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that was right around when maybe, I want to say it's called Home Away From Home came out. Okay. Which was the next CD that Mill and Colin put out. Okay. So After Penny Bridge. And that's where I right, got right, more right. introduced to Mill and Colin. 
Oh, I see. So it, it always reminds me, the band in general always reminds me of my sophomore year in college. That's funny because uh, even though this is the first episode, this isn't the first recording, uh, I, I have a feeling that's going to be a real common theme with a lot of these the Sophomore year in college. Well, just... just um, yeah reminiscing in general and yeah. you know these records bringing you back to a certain place mm-hmm. um so one of the other things i want to ask you is you know one of the main impetuses if you will for this yeah. for this podcast is um things are different now in the way that we acquire music that we get music uh-huh. you know it's so easy to find everything i don't need to go through all those cliches that mm-hmm. everyone has said but it's different it's not like you go into a record store anymore mm-hmm. you ne- probably never go into a record store and like you know you don't for me it was going to a record store and i think for a lot of people going to a record store going to to the section you know you go to your section of like mm-hmm. this is this this is the shit i like and then like kind of like judging a lot of books by their cover and then oftentimes looking at the back and seeing what label they're on. I'm like, oh, they're on this label. And I know these guys who are on that label, so I'll probably be into this. And it's yeah. really not like that anymore. Mm-hmm. So what, give me give me like a quick taste of like, wh- where would you go and buy records? Because you grew up with for, me on for, Staten for Island. For now? No, wh- when, right. when you were growing up. Uh, where would you go to we buy? We would go to either like Sam Goody in the mall or, right. or when Best Buy opened, we'd go there. And uh-huh. it's like so funny you said that because I remember – one time, and you're right, like, I guess maybe the internet wasn't as big, I'm going to date myself here, but, like, there was no, like, outlet, you know, I, we used to go to, like, absolutepunk.net, and maybe we'd find out stuff from there, Sure, but, you know, we would go, and I remember one time I went to Best Buy with my friend Sean, and we're like, let's each buy a CD, and then we'll, like, trade it in a week. Oh, that's a, that's a yeah, cool idea. Yeah, so, like, that's I cool remember idea. I bought um, Mest. Okay. The CD like drawing board on it mm-hmm. because they were wearing long shorts on the back of the uh, CD cover. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh man, these guys dress like me. I'll get that. Okay. And Sean bought uh, Midtown, uh, Save the World, Lose the Girl. Uh, okay. And I, I always remember that because I was like, damn, that was an epic Best Buy trip. That was a great like, we Best didn't, Buy we trip. We really didn't really know what we were buying at the time. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. Maybe we had like an idea. We've heard of them through someone, but we didn't really know. Right. And that's, that's the other thing that I'm curious about with people is like the, so again, discovering music is so easy now. It's in your face everywhere. It's so easy to, you can't, you can't sign on. I think it's way harder. To find music? Yes. Really? I think it's way harder. Why? Maybe for, for me personally. Yeah. Like, you know how I find music? Huh. You. Through me. You text oh, me. Oh, that's very You're like, you will <laughs> like this band. Like, you text me, like, you will love as it is. So I don't even, like, I don't even preview it on iTunes. I just buy it and listen to it because it kind of reminds me of how we used to, like, I used to just buy a CD and i just start from track one. I wouldn't even preview or listen to it. I would just go. Right. And what, I mean, I, I think the, the, what I meant was like, it's easy to find, like if I told you about that band, like you, you, I mean, I could find it in seconds. Right. I and you could easily, I could physically hear get what my, that band I is. Like you hear it easier, right. but to actually get to find a band hmm. that you don't know, I think is harder. That's interesting. Maybe because there's so much out there, but like, I think growing up a lot of what the entry points were is like, you had a cool friend or an older brother or somebody Mm -hmm. that like got you at like, check this band out, check that band out. Did you have a person that was like that? Well, that's my cousin, right? Uh I think it was maybe around the time Dude Ranch came out Okay, and I knew nothing about any of these bands. That's like the first like full, not, not first full because it was Flyswatter. It it wasn't even, wasn't even my first CD, but I had heard the song 
damn it. And right. I was like, oh, I like that song. And my cousin was like, ooh, I'm going to get you a CD. And she bought me Hello Rock View by Lesson Jake. Oh, cool, cool. And that was like my first, I guess. Oh, maybe it was, no, it wasn't Hello Rock View. Jesus Christ. Lo- losing, streak, losing streak. Losing streak. Get it together. And so I remember being like, oh my God, I, I, I love this band. And I remember like, you, you could use the internet, but it was like slow. And you, that was the days where you download like Napster or whatever. Right, right. It never worked. And it took like hours to download a song. Hmm. So I would just like try to figure like, who sounds like Less Than Jake? And then I figured out like Goldfinger from there. And right. it just kind of built on itself. That's interesting. So... Getting now back to Pennybridge Pioneers. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, t- we said before, this record came out on February 22nd, 2000 on Epitaph mm-hmm. Records, of course. Uh, the produ- the Brett Gerwitz produced this whole record. He's actually even on a few tracks. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, I think he does a guitar solo. He does a guitar solo. You're absolutely right. And, um, I think, and this is their fourth studio record. And uh, the Pennybridge, do you know what Pennybridge is? I, I did a little homework. You did? Yeah. So tell me. It's the, the, I'm glad you did some homework. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, of I course. I thought that was like a prerequisite. I would feel like an no, idiot. you don't have otherwise. to do it. All you got to do is listen no, to the well, it's the town sure. they grew up in in Sweden. That's right. That's it right. translates to Petty Bridge. Mm-hmm. Wikipedia? That's right. I, just, I was actually just, I was thinking about it though, and I think it's funny that, the like it's, I don't know why it's called Petty Bridge Pioneers, mm-hmm. but I like it, but then I also realized that all the bands I listen to do kind of sound the same. Mm-hmm. So to call anyone a pioneer is kind of funny, but I love it. Wait, so right now you're not sure why they call it Pennybridge Pioneers? No. Because they're pioneers of Pennybridge, of that oh, town. Oh, of the, that town? Yeah, okay. not, not of like I'd a genre. I'd say it more of like the genre of sound. No, no, no. It's it's from their town, which is uh, Oribo in Sweden. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. <laughs> no, o- I think it's Oribo. right. Oribo. Uh, for studio record, uh, and as you've read, and you can see, I read a lot of uh, reviews on like all music and Amazon. A lot of people talking about how this record it's it's a little bit of a departure from their earlier stuff because it's more mature. It's mm. dropping a lot of like the real fast like kind of ska punk thing, yeah. uh, skate punk thing, and like going into more alt rock stuff with a lot of different tracks, you yeah. know. Mm. And some people, you know, were weren't as into that. You know, a lot of people mm. think they sold out their sound. And, uh, you know, those people are always fun. People talking about how bands are selling out their sound and shit like that because they're moving on to something different. Uh, I mean, it's definitely slower than Life on a Plate. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a different sound. And, but, you know, I love when bands on an, on a record, like take something in different directions, try something new. Although having said that, I do like Life on a Plate better than this record. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's weird. Do you, do you not like it when people, because I think sometimes I fall into that trap where I'm like, oh, this band changed their sound. But you're right. They did. You just fall into the trap of, of not liking it. Uh, yeah. I, almost, I, like, almost like thinking it's like a personal affront to you. Like, how, <laughs> how could you do this to I me? know, right? Which, which <laughs> is like, no, these it, guys are yeah. trying to be fucking artistic and do their, do their own thing. And you, you don't, they, a lot of bands don't want to become a fucking legacy act, you know? I don't, I want to, I don't want to name any names out there. Yeah. But there's a lot of bands out there that are still playing their fucking same songs, same hits from when they got big and their new records still sound like that and nothing is that great off it, you know? Which is a shame because I like some of those bands. Those are probably all the bands I listen to. Yeah. Uh, what do you say we get into this record? Let's Paul? do it. Let's do it. All right. So track one, uh, one of the singles, No Cigar, as you guys heard at the top. Let's listen to a bit of it.
Okay, first thing, off the gate, uh-huh. got to talk about this. Uh-huh. How much does this dude, Nicola Sarah Sarsavic... Are you going to say Midtown? Yeah, how much uh-huh. does he sound like fucking Gabe Saporta? A lot. How no, but it's God see, but here's the thing. Gabe Saporta actually sounds like him. Ah, look at you. This came out first. Look at you. Um, I'm so glad you said that because I was thinking that, but I was going to bring it up on track four. Oh, really? <laughs> Why track four on Duck Ponds? I just feel like that song, when it when it starts, it sounds like it's off Midtown Records. Ooh, all right. Well, we're going to get to that when we get to it. But uh, this so, track... Thanks for stealing my thunder. Hey, that's okay, man. That was like the only note I had for this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should have fucking said it. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't. You t- I had to say sorry. it in four tracks. All right, all right. All right. Well, this is this is uh, this is a fucking cool song. Uh, this, I think this was a lot of people's entry points, and not only this record, but this band, because this song was on the soundtracks for Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2, Jeremy McGrath's Supercross World, and Tony Hawk's Pro Skater HD. And like, dude, those fucking like, like skate video games and like stuff like that, and like the bike and BMX video games, like their soundtracks were like a little punkorama compilation on their own, like. Finding out bands through that. Did you ever play those games? I actually didn't. You didn't? That's no. okay. I was always a Nintendo guy. Never really a oh. PlayStation guy. All right. Well, I mean, I, that's a lot. I of like the soundtrack to Mario. <laughs> this is actually my favorite song on the CD. Why is that? I judged pop punk CDs on the opening track. Okay. Is it this is a pop punk right? What's that? This is like a strong pop punk opener. Oh yeah. Like the chorus right here is awesome. energy yeah there's a lot of energy and this track was on um very fitting punkorama volume five which came out in 2000 uh yeah i mean it's very very pop punk punk sort of ethos and uh, which goes throughout the, the whole record just like about people in power keeping other people's down people down and like not fitting in and all that good stuff you know we're gonna pause it real quick before we get into this other track but um yeah i mean i think it's a good start to the record it's mm-hmm. strong fucking song you know, uh, certainly a little ch- more alt rocky, if you will, slower than their uh, than their previous mm. stuff, than like the yeah. sort of like skate punky stuff off of uh, Wait, Life on a Plate. Yeah, but it has the energy. Oh yeah, it's got it's got a lot of energy. And sometimes man. there's a difference to me between it. it being fast and being energetic. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you could kind of, you know, the tempo could be a little bit down, mm-hmm. but it could still be like. I don't know, kind of bursting with energy. Yeah, I don't think it's lacking in that at all. Absolutely. I mean, I agree with you on that. Um, So the second track, Fox, very interesting song. Because to be honest, like I had heard this record here and there. I don't know, I'd know about Mill and Colin, but I never really gave them like a good like listen where I'd listen to it and critically think about the record, which is one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast so I can do that, you know? Uh, And so I never really gave this record a good listen. And... After I started doing that, I was like, I heard this song, and I was like, what the fuck is going on in this song? This song, this is track two. It's Fox. She's the best 
Okay, so what, what did you think? Did you, like, because I, I feel like with a lot of music, you can just kind of listen to it and be into the melody and the energy, not really listen to the lyrics. Have you ever given these lyrics, like, a, a not, thoughtful... Not as much as you did, but I want to hear your thoughts. Well, do you know what this song is about? No. You don't? No. Okay, I'm going to read you the, the lyrics to the first verse. I met a fox the other day. When I asked how much he cost, I had to pay. All of a sudden, I brought her home. She's 100 kilos dressed in silver chrome. She's my world. She's so rad. She's the best ride I ever had. Is this prostitute? Or... That's what I thought, yeah. prostitute. And then the last verse, um, it's, it's like, she's secondhand, so what? She's true. She's by my side. Like, and I'm like, okay, like other people used her, but you don't care. You're still into her. And then there's a line at the, the last line of the last verse is to prevent, to prevent something like a theft. I got her locked around a tree. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on in this song? Maybe it's just really about a fox. So have you ever seen the video for this? No. I watched the music video and it made complete sense okay. because the, there's the, the car. It's not a car, okay. but in the second verse, it says, I give her oil, I give her gas, yeah. which I thought might have been like some kind of like metaphor for like other things, mm -hmm. like buying her like, like burgers or something like that, you know, like buying her food. But this song, it's a, it's about his Vespa. <laughs> okay. It's well, about his Vespa that he's like super into, uh, his silver Fox scooter. Oh yeah, yeah, Actually, yeah. It makes a lot more. Sense it makes now. and and you see in the video like uh -huh. he buys like the scooter and he like rides around on it and he like loves it and then he like brings it up to his apartment. But like yeah, dude, like <laughs> listening to these lyrics, I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? And he's like, and like you're you're. I'm trying to wonder if there's like some kind of like language or cultural barrier because he's got a little. There's yeah. a little bit of like uh, you can tell there's some there's some stuff with language because like a lot of these lyrics are like really broad and really simple uh -huh. and like don't. Like it's not something that like a, a native English tongue would say, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, super interesting song. Um, this this was also a single released in uh, June of 2000 on Burning Heart Records, which is a Swedish punk label. And like Epitaph and like okay. Burning Heart are like super tight, and like Epitaph like has the rights to release their stuff in America. Okay. Yeah, and interesting. Coincidentally enough, uh, what's it called? Burning Heart releases Midtown over in Scandinavia. Whoa, yeah. bring it full circle. So full circle. I have a feeling that I'm going to have a different appreciation for this record after this podcast. Well, that's good. Because I already feel differently about this. Like, Hopefully I like this song a better one. Yeah. I, wonder, I wonder if there's ever going to be a record where listening to it like really critically and like understanding it at a deeper level is going to lead to someone appreciating it, appreciating it less. Oh. I wonder about that. Because maybe there's like a song that's like doesn't have like the ethos that you thought it did. Or oh, something like I can see that happening. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I, tend to, I tend to like finding out more. I feel like it's usually better. Hey, man. Like I never thought the twice more about what know. the song was about. Never I did. Just, you were just like, you yeah. Just I was like it. it had that classic. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like you know if you were a band in this genre from 2000 2006, every CD had one song like this. Yeah, <laughs> like one. Uh, Always. It's it's got a fun hook, you know. But like, yeah, dude. First listening to it, I was like, is he talking about a prostitute that he's like super into, or or like maybe a girl who's like like a like slutty that people yeah, call a hooker? Say, you can say the s word. Yeah, yeah, but like, I don't know, I'm trying to be smart with my words, but then like, there's that the last line is chained her to a tree. I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> That's like, what they oh, do in Sweden. So, getting on the track three, Material Boy.
So, what do you think about this song, Paul? Certainly seems a little bit more similar to their older stuff, at least at the, at the top of the song. Uh -huh. Quicker, you know, everything yeah. comes in at once. What are your thoughts? I think it's just a, good, a good, solid kind of track to keep the energy high. Okay. You know? Um, I don't know, that's where I go with it. That's okay. I mean, so this song, obviously, it's got, you know, again, representing sort of like good old-fashioned punk ethos where it's it's uh, kind of against materialism and like religion and stuff no, like no, that. No, no, he's saying he's for materialism. Well, I think but... he's being ironic, Paul. Whoa. <laughs> Irony. So you gave you gave this whole record like another listen before you came and recorded this? Yeah, and read the Wikipedia page. <laughs> well, when you when was the last time like you listened to this record? Like prior to this week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably like a year or two ago. If so that. after giving this another listen and maybe tr maybe listening a, a little, did you think you listened a little bit closer at all? Definitely, yeah. you did. What did you take away from this newer listen? You know, than you did from previous listens. Like, I, I feel like it was. How did your thoughts or feelings I feel like change? The record was kind of better than I remember. Really? To be honest, yeah. Um, it's actually poppier than I remember it being. Poppier. Huh. Yeah. But I think that just might be because maybe how do I put it? Maybe at the time I just viewed Mill and Colin as not as being one of the last poppier pop punk bands. Mm -hmm. and, and I more think that was like, more of image. Okay. Maybe, you know, like you could release the same CD on Epitaph and the same CD on, say, like a drive through. Yeah. And it could be the same CD, but I'll automatically be like, oh, Epitaph's a little more punk. Right. You know. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly think that labels at least used to have that effect. And maybe I think at some point, they, at, to some extent, they still do these days mm -hmm. where they mean something. Like if, uh, I mean, and that's the whole point. If like a band comes out on this label, you know, it's got either the, the feel, whether it's sonically yeah. or, or uh, emotionally, I guess, you know, yeah. that like, you know, we're all kind of on the same page here. So I, I certainly could see that. Um, so it seemed poppier to you. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's cool. Did you, did you like it better or like liked it the same? I or? think I liked it better. Interesting. Yeah. So let's get to the aforementioned track four, Duck Pong. I have a note for this one. Ooh. <laughs> So this verse definitely midtowny <laughs> type feel. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. What's your note, Paul? That was my note. Like it's just for even from the the opening parts to the second the verse hits, mm -hmm. I almost was like, wait, is, is this midtown? <laughs> uh, especially, I don't know, just that opening line too. It just robbed me so much. And then like early midtown though, like early. Right. Actually, listening to the CD to go back to your earlier question. When, when you're like, what do you think about it? When I listened to it, it, it made me think like, oh my God, so many of the bands I liked definitely loved the CD. So many of the bands you like, like that, that were like, the or CD? like uh, the bands that I was discovering like two years after the CD came out, uh -huh. definitely wrote their CD after listening to Penny Bridge. 
whether it's Midtown or like Alistair. Reminds me of Alistair a lot. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Early Nest, maybe. I think the the vocals just tie together to Midtown yeah. so quickly. For those of you out there who are not familiar with Midtown, they're a drive through records band, pop punk band. Uh, Gabe Sporta is the was the lead singer and bass player. Uh, later was in uh, Corp Starship. And uh, this is a little listen of, uh, this is a little taste of what they sound like. You know what, let's go with Come On. Oop. <laughs> How about Sacrifice of Life? Since this is a Sacrifice of Life EP. Yeah, go back to this. Super similar. I mean, this is like early Midtown. Would you say like even his later stuff sounds a little bit even closer, a little bit closer? The next D probably. They start to get away from. Oh, Midtown. here we go. This is the track I was looking for. This is off Living Well's The Best Revenge. I think you, this this can almost sound like yeah. a Nolan Collins song. This is fine comforting yourself off of Living Well's The Best Revenge from 2002. Also, the song fucking rocks. <laughs> Yeah, really uncanny, at least for me. Like, listening to Milan be like, fuck. Like, it's like uh, Gabe doing guest vocals on here or something. I did not put that together until I just listened to it this week, though. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. I don't think I, I put it together until I listened to it this yeah. week. But then again, I didn't listen to it that much uh, beforehand. But uh, let's get back to the Milan Collins for now. To track five, right about now, my funk soul brother. This is a good positive song, you know. It's about taking control of your life. It's. It almost seemed like it's about, about drugs and alcohol, like against take, taking control of your life against drugs and alcohol. But I don't know if he ever really had a problem with that. I read somewhere some somebody wrote a review of this that this was just about him achieving his dreams. I, yeah, I don't think he has a drug problem. No, it never seemed like he did. Interesting dude. He's, he's a got, Vespa problem. He has a Vespa problem. That's about it. This is a good like summer summer song. This is. Yeah. You know what I like about this song too? Mm -hmm. That part sounded just like Midtown. <laughs> <laughs> like this was this city came out in the era right before pop punk started being very overproduced. Okay, 
came out like before like major labels threw a bunch of money at it and like you yeah. get like super super like clean produced stuff yeah interesting um, okay I like that it gives it a little edge yeah it does it does give it edge um and like this I think that like this kind of subject matter is one of the things that like really is like a uh, milestone of pop punk is like having that song that's like super positive and like about positivity and like believing in yourself and stuff like that you know because like going against the mainstream like songs like that like that's you know you can relate that back to just like kind of like punk punk but like with pop punk I think that's one of the things that is really like a uh, an identifier of it you know is like having that super positive like the I believe in myself type thing the power of positivity Paul Paul Corey ladies and gentlemen <laughs> well, pop punk I always felt like was Happy, happy. I don't know. It's usually pretty happy. You know, I would say it's pretty happy. I think I think the pop punk that's not happy is usually uh, uh, funneled into people calling it emo. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, pretty much the case. But uh, getting into the sixth track, which was also a single, mm-hmm. Peng- probably the most known. Track this song, you think so? Yeah, I would say "No Cigar" seems like the most known track, but this certainly was popular enough. And this, it's got this a, was a song that, like, I knew. Oh, really? You know, like, Do you remember how you? I knew was just to my friend in college. Just to your friend yeah. in college. Uh, fun name of a song. What's the name, Paul? Penguins and polar bears. Ooh. So this song is um, obviously there. It plays with this idea of like people being polar opposites, you know, in the sense that like if I'm doing well, you're doing bad, and vice versa, you know. And if you're on the rise, I'm coming down. There you go. As soon as you're fading, I will grow, you know, things like that. So yeah, but in a really like it's so funny because like when you read the lyrics to a lot of these songs it's like this really like interesting like broken english way of saying this stuff and almost like like uh, like i i get what you're trying to say here oh i love that when he says major cliche <laughs> we're gonna go back and hear that <laughs> um yeah and it just like kind of kind of like having a rough time like articulating you know exactly what you mean maybe because english is a second language what do you think I just think it's very. I mean, I don't even know if it's the language barrier. I just think maybe their their lyrics are just in general just simpler, broader lyrics. Right. I, I, I'm not reading. You don't think that you don't think it. that's a. That's I'm a sure result. the language barrier doesn't help. Yeah, it certainly doesn't help. But, but you think that like I, I'd be curious to like see like one of their Swedish songs if it was like a yeah. little bit more articulate. You know. Yeah. I mean, just to go back to to bring it back to track two. I mean, he was just writing kind of songs about stuff in his life yeah he which he doesn't he does. seem like he's going but he's writing like songs about being positive or like buying a Vespa and loving his Vespa mm-hmm. or just um, just kind of like the kind of I don't want to say generic but kind of generic punk, like we're against material things like, even though owning like a Vespa digging, is super material 
<laughs> is it though? Is it? I guess it's not super material, but it's certainly material. Now, there's a difference between being material and having something you like. He's not. He's not buying it as a status thing. He truly yeah, loves he just this loves piece it. of machinery. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I get. It. Um, but like, it's funny because yeah, that's like a fun song just about liking your Vespa. And you know, there's a, there's a track coming up in a in a few songs that is a another like real good example of that. But uh, this is actually going to lead us. I'm just going to let this play straight into uh, track seven, Hellman. Think it's about mayonnaise? I, I assume. You would assume. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like mayonnaise. No, this seems uh, this seems like it's pretty obviously about saying af- af- afraid to like speak your feelings, afraid to say I love you. You know. Go ahead. No, go ahead, Paul. I was gonna say, I think that brings me back to my point where the the ideas around these songs are simple enough. They're universal. Yeah. Right. It's not you know some bands where they get really in depth and every line is something specific, you know, or they use people's names or the exact place they were at or, you know, this is just very talking about more of a theme. Yeah, and like speaking in universals, you know, it's a, it's a broad thing to do and there's nothing against it, but it, it certainly seems like an international thing, you know, like usually the songs I feel like that are about very broad things in American translate easily to other countries because it's, yeah. you're talking about these universal yeah. emotions. And when he gets into the specifics, it's all very fun, like talking about his Vespa and then um, coming up on, what is this? Uh, Devil Me, which is the next track. I think, um, I guess for me, Millicon's definitely not a band where I'm like, I love their lyrics. Like every band has something about them that you like love. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's almost like they're the polar opposite writing of uh, maybe like early Ataris. Um, like I think of San Dimas is, is yeah, like a story. Everything on and, there and is when I listen super to that song, specific. I can picture it myself. Everything is going through, super specific stories. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. That's interesting. And, and it's funny because I, I don't think I prefer one over the other. Because sometimes no, when the yeah, lyrics are specific, it, it forces you to feel a certain way or think a certain way about a song. Where something like Billy Khan is more about the melody, the energy. It's kind mm-hmm. of the music more of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, this we're just talking about like, that's just like just subject, subject matter. Just spitballing. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's just subject matter of lyrics. I think I personally like super specific things more in terms of like lyrical content. Like I love specifics. I don't know what it is about it, but maybe because I can picture it easier in my head. Yeah. And uh, there's something about specifics that makes things very personal. You know, like this must have happened to you. Like this, yeah. uh, you know, there's something about that that's very intimate, and I dig that. That's like a little vulnerable. Yeah, in, exactly. In it's showing. Like you're almost like, wow, this guy really went through this very specific, either good or bad thing, and I feel for him one way or the other. Right, and like he's like he or she or she or she. Sorry about that. Yeah, you should be. I am. This is this is the '90s, Paul. We're uh, <laughs> into being super inclusive. So, uh, getting into an, uh, another one of their more fun songs, "Devil Me," where the entire song is is quite literally just a almost a recitation of things he likes, <laughs> just things he likes or things about him. You know, almost like the way a third grader would write an essay. No offense, no offense, Nicholas, but uh, but it, it it reminds me of that very much. So, so here it is, track eight, "Devil Me." Oop. Yes, I'm a Yugoslavian, indeed I sweet Got two brothers, got from dad and mom 
I hope I'm not beating up on this on this <laughs> record too much, like talking about things being brought. I've, I still dig this record. I, I like it. I just I don't think it's beating up. I mean, I'll just give you like my take on it. I think when you're a band, there's two ways you write songs. Okay, there's the the lyricist kind of person mm-hmm. who really writes like the story, and then has to use the music as some sort of vehicle to tell the story. And then there's the bands that go and write the music and then need lyrics because otherwise you just have just weird music. Yeah, I mean, I, and I think that, like, I don't think, like, bands are either one way or another. Like, I think songs are either yeah. this follows this or this mm-hmm. follows that. But, like, here's some of the lyrics. Like, here's the first verse. Yes, I'm a Yugoslav, indeed a Swede. Got two brothers, girlfriend, dad, and mom. Good boxer, shorts I need, a lot of maps I read. I would love to run my own farm. Hey, he's just, he's hey, just telling it like it is. It's, and it's very sincere, which he says that he's into. Uh, in the chorus, or where is it? He talks about sincerity in here somewhere, and nothing wrong with that uh, at all. But, you know, just uh, talking about what he likes. Can't knock him for that. What do you think about this song? Like, compared to the other ones on the record? It's catchy. It's catchy? It's catchy. This, this is the definition of like a 2000 pop punk song. It's <laughs> just... Hey, let's, let's all be happy. <laughs> my, he, oh my, okay, so here's another verse. Lisa Madonna are girls who knows where it's at, and Dr. Chris is a favorite rocker. My main star, Miat, we have a car, a Fiat. Yes, yeah, still my deepest, my dearest sport is soccer. <laughs> this sounds like me trying to rhyme when I was nine. <laughs> um, yeah, we're going straight into yeah. Stop to Think, track nine. So this is. What do you got, Paul? I mean, I, I'm not really bothered by the, the lyrics as much as you. I don't think. I'm not bothered by them. Yeah. I just, it's just, uh, it's a, an idiosyncrasy of this record. Something yeah. that I noticed, and so this, this seems to be the thing that I glob on. Yeah. It reminds me of a simpler time. Sure. Things were just, things were just fun. When things were just, when things were just grampy, getting on the old car, yeah. and you get in the car with grampy, and it drives you, and you get you a famous Zamas chocolate chip cookie, and it gives you a handshake and a five dollar bill, and he says, "Don't spend it all in the same place, sonny." Thanks, Grandpa. Yo. How did you, how did you find music back in the day? Am I allowed to ask you a question? No. Oh. This is about you. Okay. Now, how did I find music? Yeah. Uh, lots of different places, like yeah. through friends or. Um, reading stuff on the internet. I've always been really good at like real resourceful and good at like seeking stuff out. So. I know that's why I use you for that. So like, <laughs> I like finding. Uh, I've gotten much better at it as I've gotten older. But like, I really liked like okay, who's opening for this band and not just being like, oh God, I'm just trying to see the I'm trying to see the see the the headliner here and this band is like getting in my way, you know? Or like, perfect example is getting comps from like records like drive through comps or punkarama and like who are the other fucking bands on here you know and like oh these guys are rad these guys are rad you know and this is rad i want to get into this or like side projects you know i like following threads of stuff okay. um yeah so oh stop to think another song you know about someone trying to keep you down and fuck that person Don't let them. that's what i say yeah say no it's just say They're no not keep you down uh getting on to the next song track 10 is uh the mayfly A little, little bit of happier tune. Yeah. Upbeat. I like this too. This almost sounds like a later like offspring like of Americana. <laughs> yeah, that's a great. That's good. 
not the vocals, but like you can picture Dexter Holland being like. I think the melody for the hook of this song is tremendous. Great pop hook. Another song where the lyrics are like kind of crazy and all over the place, but this is this is I think pretty obviously about his band. He talks about being four guys at the end. Uh, do you know what a mayfly is, Paul? I actually don't. Know. A mayfly, they're insects that have very short lives. I think they like are born in like spring and they die in the autumn. But because of that, it's like very often used as a metaphor in like literature and things like that. For uh, it symbolizes like. Transit, transitoriness and like brevity of life so I don't know what that has to do with like his band maybe like bands are short lived music short lived I don't know well, maybe it could be like you don't know if this is gonna keep going so sure have fun sure and again this is like seems like another thing where he's talking about getting out of somewhere that he's stuck in you know like the duck pond was all about yeah, like, like Pennybridge being, being, yeah exactly getting out of Pennybridge <laughs> it could be the hell out of straight out of Pennybridge can't get on my Vespa and run <laughs> uh, I was just thinking too. Um, I remember a funny, a fun Millen Collins story for you. Oh it, yeah, you got it. Guess when, it. Uh, so when I went to school in Delaware, so remember I was saying like we used to go to Best Buy and like Sam Goody for. Well, I used to go to mm-hmm. like Staten Island, at least where I lived, didn't have a lot of like independent stores really, and you had to go out of your way for them. Well, you grew up with me on the South Shore, right? I live in Great Hills. You live in Great Hills. I lived in Altingville, also the next town over. And there wasn't, there was one, uh, but it was like mostly hip hop stuff. It was like right on Highland Boulevard. Yeah, they, but they didn't have what I was looking the for. The big indie like record one was that record place that used to buy Ticketmaster stuff at too. Uh-huh. It was next to the bowling alley where the where the movie theater used to be. There's like the Wendy's there now and the LA Fitness. Mm. Oh man, I can't, I think it was called CDs, Record and Tapes. Uh, uh-huh. That place was great. And they had like used CDs there. Like I got a bunch of like used like punk CDs there. But yeah, the mo- mostly you go to the Mid Island, you go to yeah. the mall, and they had the Wall Coconuts, where I got <laughs> my first, yeah. where I got my first piece of music ever. And yeah, you that's go to where you go for Ticketmaster is Coconuts. You'd go to Coconuts. Yeah. I went to the other place. So, but when I went to Delaware, right? Oh, I'm sorry. On, yeah, um, there was like a main street. It was like kind of a school where every like all the housing and everything was like on top of each other. It was like its own little town. Mm-hmm. And there was like Main Street and there was like an actual record store. Mm-hmm. Like just some guy, regular guy owned it. Do you remember the name? I don't. I don't. Do you remember what street it was there. on? Any specifics? Main street. It literally was called, oh, it was called Main Street. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and the coolest part about it is like that. And we'd go there and we'd do the same thing that I used to do in high school where we'd just look see if you like the band or label. But they were pretty cool because unlike more of the chains, they would actually kind of suggest stuff to you. You know, like they mm-hmm. would put out records and they would, it'd kind of be in the vein of the stuff you liked. Sure. But they had this bin, right? So every time records came in, the record companies would send them all the marketing pieces, right? Mm-hmm. So it was like the cardboard posters and everything. And 
So what we started doing in college is every time we'd go, we'd pick up one or two things, and it was like all your favorite bands, and we plastered our entire wall, and it looked so cool. You got it for free, or yeah, you like free. sold it for like a no, buck? no, no. They're just oh. like take whatever you want. And one time we go in there, and it was right when the CD after Penny Bridge Pioneers came out, and there was one home away from home thing, and mm-hmm. my friend Bren was like, he's like the happiest kid in the world because like he got like a million Colin cardboard poster cut out, mm-hmm. and he was so excited. And that sat on our wall for like years. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, where is he? Why isn't he on this on this podcast? Why are you here? Uh, where is that dude now? Uh, Long Island. He's in Long Island. Oh, that's not yeah. far from here. No. We can get him on. So uh, the next track, do you know the name of it? Quiz you. A10 maybe? No. Uh, no it's, got a, it's got a stupid name. Uh, Highway Ducky. Yep. Oh, So another track about like not really being sure and confident who you are trying to fit in, you know, meaning that there's like some kind of like status quo, you know, that you're going against. Um, this is the track where who, who does uh, oh, the guitar solo, the guitar solo record yeah. does on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, what? I think that theme is just a, a kind of like a, a thing with just the type of music it is. Yeah, it's it's a punk punk theme, absolutely. It's one of those genres where you'll find a lot of people that like it, like you'll know a lot of people, Mm -hmm. but like not really at the same time. Like I know when we were growing up, our close-knit friends, like we all liked these bands, but like most other people we knew were listening to like Wu-Tang Clan and Eminem, and we're just like, who are, like, what are you listening to? Yeah, hip-hop was really big, you know, then when we were growing up. And maybe that was like a Staten Island thing. Perhaps, yeah, yeah, that's true. It could have been a, it could have been like a New York sort of bubble thing. Um, Because if you went to to Jersey, those bands were a lot bigger. Bands were bigger in Jersey. Jersey, yeah, like, they were great with shows. They always had the best fucking shows. Like, I would, you know, going to, going there. But you know what? I think it was a national thing because, like, on MTV... Like it would be a lot of like that hip hop and R and B mixed with the pop stuff, and you'd have maybe one or two like yeah. uh, rock bands on there doing stuff, and they were like the poppiest ones you could find, really. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, trying to fit in. There's there's some nice melodic gang vocals in this. I dig. I'm always a big gang vocals fan. I love gang vocals. Okay, vocals, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, but yeah, I mean, like that's 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 you know, a lot of these themes are what goes with this type of music. It's like being, not just being alternative, but like aggressively alternative, like like fuck your status quo and all that stuff, yeah. you know? And regardless of how it's delivered, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's with like some melodic hooks and like parallel fifths mm-hmm. that are nice sounding or something more aggressive, yeah. you know, it's what, that's what di- makes it differ sonically, but like it's all got the same message for the most part. I just feel like, for example, we used to play shows at Dock Street, right? Mm-hmm. Dock Street was there, a- There would be a ton of people there. Right? Yeah. Well, when you went to school the next day, you'd be the only idiot in your class with like an Atari's t shirt. It was a niche thing. So, for those of you who don't know, Dock Street was like the place on Staten Island that, uh, at least when in our time, was one of the places you would go to play shows. And like every Friday, Saturday night, it would be some kind of like rock show. So, you know, everyone who shopped at Hot Topic would, from that, that was at school, <laughs> your school would be there, you know, uh, doing their doing their thing. But yeah, and but that was still a minority. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. But it was a tight knit minority. But it was weird because like we can go to a show and there'd be a lot of people there. 
but in your normal everyday goings, I feel like you wouldn't find a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because every, well, everyone, I think when you got there, everyone was just clustered there. So yeah. it was a true sense like a of like a community people. where it's like yeah. oh, you yeah. kind of knew all these people and from random like no one with like different schools or different mm-hmm. backgrounds and everything. Yeah, but that was that one schools. thread that you all had. It's like oh, we like this music. Yeah, and I don't understand why more people don't like it. A community, cool. or you might even call it a scene. A scene, yeah. SI hardcore punk. SI hardcore punk scene. So now we're getting into the obligatory song about someone dead on a on a punk or pop punk CD. You need one. A ten. And, you know, I say obligatory, and I don't mean to dismiss that. Like, you know, we all live with death in our lives and mortality in one form or another. Or another. You know, some of us have, like, friends, you know, we know who, who have died. And, you know, it's often a lot of that stuff that makes you want to write things, you know. Um, and so, but it, it just always, like, it's funny because it always seems like, it's almost like a trope. There's always, like, at least one song on a pop punk record that has to do with with death, and this this is about a friend's mother dying. It seems. Well, it always seemed like there was some sort of formula, mm-hmm. you know, uh, to writing a pop punk record. Like, all right, we need to have uh, our big single between tracks four and six. We need to have the energetic opener. We need to have the kind of bouncy, you know, song like Fox on track two or three. Got to end with a ballad, which this CD literally does. Yeah, it truly. Yeah, uh, very literally, because yeah. that's the name of the goddamn yeah. song. And I, I don't. I think it's just for whatever reason, it just seems like every CD yeah. that I listen to, record I listen to, always had that. And yeah. It, I don't it, know. It, there was some sort of comfort or familiarity in it, but that's true. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah, I guess there is comfort in familiar, yeah. familiarity of that. Uh, what do you think of the song? I like the song actually. It's one of my favorite songs you on do? the record. Yeah. Did you, did you, when you were first listening to it, like, did you no. know what the song <laughs> no. was about? No, that's okay. I mean, you know, I think like, like so much, a lot of music, at least for me, like I, lyrics sometimes are a little bit of an afterthought mm-hmm. and like, I will learn a song's lyrics phonetically before I understand the actual words. Oh, like, definitely. You know, yeah. like I'll, I'll know like what the words sound like, but I wouldn't know exactly yeah. what's being said. Um, I, I think for me, a lot of it is usually especially not even just a song but it's usually the whole record usually reminds me of a time and place mm-hmm. you know so and all the songs kind of blend together into the same sonic you know rhythm and it just reminds me of this point in my life right it's almost like I could probably break down my life into every three months and attach a record to it probably. wow that's an interesting way of sort yeah. of uh, not archiving but uh, you know time making a timeline of your life yeah like I was I, I don't want to do that now Try like, I, like a song came on my, um, I guess iPhone. I was gonna mm-hmm. say CD player, but no, I don't have one. Uh, it was uh, Chef Yan from Over at Silver Strand. Okay. And like I just came on and I just literally thought of my junior year in college. Hmm. Like I just I was like, it took me back like I was in that apartment. Mm-hmm. And like I feel like there's so many pieces that have that. Yeah, and I, you know that's like a big thing with music. It can you know do that a lot, and hopefully it brings you back to you know a, a happy place. It's all sad. What? It's, no, all, it's all sad. <laughs> yeah, it kind of reminds me of like this specific time, whether it's, you know, especially as, as you get a little older, like you do drift away from a friend. Like the friend I talked about, I don't really keep in great touch with him really at all. But there's a lot of people like that or just 
different points in your life or even places or people or whatever. And like those records just remind you of that, of that specific time capsule. I wonder mm-hmm. like if there is an epic event, not E P I C E P O C H mm-hmm. where like, okay, so all of these records bring you back. Is there a point in your life where that stops? And like from, let's say 2012, I'm just picking a year, 2008, uh-huh. 2012 on, you don't have music that associates with a particular part of your life there. Like it's all like stuff maybe that's in adolescence or like post-adolescence. I wonder if it stops after a certain point, you know? Because uh, maybe because like you're 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 not like finding as much new music, you know? Mm-hmm. And like a lot of the music you listen to like already like has a definition in terms of like the timeline of your life, you know? I don't think so. You don't think <laughs> so? for me. Like what what would bring you back to like two years ago? Can you can you pick it out? Um, I'm putting you on the spot here right now. I'm trying to I'm trying to think of one specifically. All right, yeah. well, like maybe like last fall, yeah, or like around two years ago. The finer things, state champs, it just reminds me of that. Okay, yeah, because that's and around, that's a newer around that's like new Thanksgiving band, time. Record. I don't know if it was last year, or the year before that, mm-hmm. but like that's what reminds me of that fall. Oh, okay. It reminds me of the finer things. All right, so it does happen, and so. it's, it's no rhyme or reason other than the fact that I probably just listened to that record over and over and over and over during that time frame. Mm-hmm. So whether I'm yeah, yeah, and I mean that's what it does. Or at work, where I'm, if I'm in a car, or if I'm in a subway, or something. I think that's how like a a, a song or an album or whatever instantiates itself into your into like a piece of your life, like because you're you have yeah. constant listening to it. So let's get on to track thirteen, Pepper, which is uh, just a real pep talk song. telling someone they're great and you got it buddy you're gonna do it you're gonna be doing great things trust me let's see it in you we need more of that man you think we need more of that i think we do you know and it's it's funny because it's like obviously very sincere but you know sincerity can be looked as uh, scorned as like being cheesy and things like that you know it can be it can be but i can kind of counteract that i think with a lot of the bands that we used to listen to it's almost like they were, maybe if the music itself wasn't tough, but they were tougher because they could say whatever they wanted. Mm-hmm. That they didn't feel the need to be like, oh, I gotta be harder, or I gotta, I gotta, say, or say this a different I, way. I gotta say this a different way to give it more of an edge. Like, no, I could just say what I want, and that's cool. It's cool to be able to say what I'm really thinking, rather than trying to. Say it in a way that I think it'll appeal to. You. Well, I don't. I don't. Well, that's that's you're talking about like bands like writing stuff that's insincere to try and like fit a, a type of like uh, emotion or a type of like feel. I don't know if that's really the case. Like like they're like this is obviously very sincere. It's all in you. You know, you do whatever you want to do. Whereas like for you know another band, it might be like fuck everybody, fuck all the rest, you know that you're the best, you know? And that's wow, like a more aggressive, just, uh, I did just write that. Oh, wow. it's, and that's like a more aggressive way of saying the yeah. same thing. And But that's, that's you know, how they probably truly feel and truly like talk to themselves and talk to other people and live their lives. I, I don't know if it's insincere. And they're, tr- I mean, of course there's insincerity out there and people trying to put on a front of being something they're not. Mm-hmm. I try to give bands the benefit of the doubt because you know what? How the fuck would I know? I don't know them, <laughs> you <laughs> know? True. So that's you got to give people the benefit of the doubt. But I think if you just come out and are, are so are so sincere mm-hmm. then you're definitely not being 
like you're just being whatever you want to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that track was on also featured on uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Three. Even though it wasn't in the video game, it was on the music from and inspired by soundtrack. <laughs> really? It was always fun. Yeah. That. Um, so getting on to the last track, but before then, I'm going to give you a quick quiz. Oh no. Or just the one question okay. quiz. Um, do you know where the name Millencolin comes from? I'm assuming it has something to do with melancholy. No, it doesn't. Oh, actually it does. Yes, it, yes, it does. I'm sorry. But, but it's a melancholy is a skate trick. So melancholy is a skate trick? Melan melan melancholy is a skateboard trick. Uh -huh. And so the name derived from that. That's cool. Yeah. It's a nice little, little tidbit. tidbit. Jinx. Jinx. Double jinx. jinx. Triple, triple jinx. jinx. Wow, callback. Callback to, another to, to something no one knows. <laughs> uh, and we're going to get on to the last track here. It's a ballad song, very appropriately titled. The Ballad. That's right. Last selection in the ball game does never get a pass. This is really a sad song. Have you ever really listened to the, like, the lyrics about this? It's all about like this dude who gets picked on, man, and like no one wants anything to do with him oh, except wow. his mom. Oh wow! Now that you said that, I'm like, yeah, it's sad. It's sad. Uh, Breck Erwitz plays piano and guitar on this track. Kids can be cruel, man. Kids can be cruel. Adults can be cruel. People, yeah, that's true. People can be cruel. Wow. Boom. Must have been really bad to get picked last in gym class. So, overall, Paul, overall, Paul, as, as people overall like to call Paul. you, yeah. This song is pretty sad, actually. It's very sad, yeah. man. It's a downer to like, end on. Like, I feel for this But hey, at least kid, I, I don't even know. At the end. Uh, so, this was their first record that they, full album they recorded out of Sweden. It was the first to go gold after it sold 35,000 copies in Australia. And uh, yeah, I guess you could think of this as their breakthrough record, you know, if it's if breaking through, I guess, on their kind of terms, you know. But what are your what are your overall thoughts on this, Paul, on this record? I think it's just a, a solid, fun. It's a good pick. I think I, I think I made a great pick. I think you made a great pick. Yeah, I think yeah. it's a great way to kind of kick, kick it off too. You know, I think it's a CD that a lot of people know, probably a lot of people remember, but also probably a CD that a lot of kind of like got lost in the shuffle for years. Yeah, and it's a kind of good one to like rediscover. I you think know? you're absolutely right about that. And I mean, and it's that's a good what, find in a used bin. <laughs> that's uh, that's like pretty much what this show is about. Is all about rediscovery and discovery. You know, um, tr finding like what are, like Epitaph is a label who uh, with has a lot of bands on there that I dig, and I don't know all the bands and all the records, and I should know it because I'd probably be into it and find a lot of new stuff. And this is certain. This is a great example of like one record I didn't know a lot about. Listeners to the show will kind of get the feel that my taste usually leans a little bit more towards the poppier side. But um, you know what? That's just who I am. And this is a great example of like a poppier pop punk uh, record that uh, is great on Epitaph, man. Paul, you have any final thoughts? Paul yeah, Corey, I'm really excited. Thank you for having me. Of course, thanks for coming yeah, on, man. Yeah, I think for me it's. Um you know, doing these two is cool because you ever like, like, 
you're walking around, you want to put on music, and you end up spending five minutes trying to decide on what you listen to. Yeah, or, I do And that. then you're kind of where you have to be anyway. Yeah. <laughs> this, will, this will be like one of those things where I'm like, oh, let me go throw on a cigar. That's a good one. That's yeah. a good, that's, I'm, I'm glad you rediscovered this. Mm. And I'm glad you brought this up. Uh, you could find Paul Corey at what's your Twitter handle? The real Paul Corey. The real Paul Corey. At the real because Paul Corey. There's so many impersonators yeah. out there. That's the joke. Yeah. Guys, listen to Jews and Reviews on the Atlantic Transmission Network featuring Paul Corey and host Ben Blank, who will be on a later episode of this. You guys will hear from Paul again soon. He's going to be on quite a few of these because I have a lot of records to get through, guys. It's only like a thousand. It's okay, man. I'm into it. I'm down for the get down. As the kids like to say, I'm on fleek. I don't know if I'm using that right. Yeah, this podcast is bay. It's bay. Yeah, exactly. All right. From bay to bay, from me to you, to Jews and Reviews. Guys, thank you so much for listening. And uh, I'm trying to figure out a way to end this. And uh, I've I've figured out, uh, I think I'm just going to say, go fuck yourself. I'm Ben. As always, I'm Paul. And we're from Jews and Reviews. We have a podcast where we like to talk and review movies, maybe bring on a wacky character from that movie, and always play some games. We like some games. I actually brought a clip, Paul. Wait, you brought a clip? I brought a clip. Can I listen? Yeah. I look mad young, right? Yeah, yeah. you look young in the movie, and... Uh, I hooked up with a bunch of the young chicks at the movie. Oh, you know what? You know what? It's not illegal if you're a police officer. And, and, I believe that, And this yeah. is something I wanted to bring up since you're here. Sure. Tell us about all the hookups on set. Oh, my God. Who's Hun- hooking up with who? Yeah. yeah. So, all right. So, like, there's, like, these, like, Asian girls in the movie. Right. They play, I, the twins, I right? triple kissed them. Okay, oh. a little triple kiss. Triple that way you didn't get confused if it was Rachel or Rebecca. Yeah, 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 exactly. I was like, oh, whatever, and I triple kissed them. Was, was that offset or on camera, or, and they got cut out maybe? or? Oh, they, I didn't do it on camera for sure. Okay. I would never, because, you know what I mean, That's I could get in a lot of trouble for that. They, I, don't, I don't know how old they are. I can never tell with them. But uh, who else? Let me see. Cecily, the girl. Yeah, I chalked, I, I chalked her. You chalked her? What, <laughs> I chalked what is, her. What is chalking? That's when you kind of forcibly kiss someone. This has been an Atlantic Transmission production. Hey!